Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis today. Uh, we ended last Friday morning our 16-month teaching on Galatians. So if you missed that, go to our YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. There you'll find all those teachings and probably on the website, The Crossway Church. You'll find them there uploaded and uh, at Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. So uh, <clears throat> today we're going to begin uh, a series entitled Righteousness. And uh, we'll begin today in Romans chapter 3 if you want to be turning there. Uh, but first, before we dig into this series, I want to uh, advertise just one little uh, uh, CD, 11 CD preaching series, The Cross Life. It's our most recent one that we've uh, uh, finished and got put together for you. 11 CDs on The Cross Life. What does all this stuff about the message of the cross, preaching Christ and Him crucified, why is it so important? Why do we consider it the second reformation that we're in right now. These CDs will explain all that with scripture, not opinion. They're $25 for this set. You can donate and get yours at thecrosswaychurch.com. Make sure you put your address in there and tell us what you want. We'll send it to you as quick as we get your request. We're also mailing six expositor study Bibles every single week to inmates across the land. So I encourage you to pray about that. Help us with that. It takes $33 a Bible per inmate, at least $33. So uh, help us with that. One last thing, we have started a church, Crossway Church in Wichita Falls, Texas, four and a half hours north of here. We meet the second weekend every single month at the Hampton Inn, 4217 Kemp Boulevard. If you have any relatives, friends, church folks in that area, be sure and, and uh, help us with a commercial. Do uh, Make a phone call to them, send an email or something, let them know we're meeting, want to see them come, especially those who know about the message of the cross and are looking for a church preaching the truth. And uh, once again, that's 4217 Kemp Boulevard at the Hampton Inn, the second weekend every month, Friday nights at 7 and Saturday morning at 10 to lunch. So help us with that. See you there. Romans chapter 3, we're going to begin to talk about God's righteousness. It's so important. And, and we're going to, I believe the Lord is going to teach us so many things in this series. I'm so excited about uh, sharing it. It's something the Lord has encouraged me, placed on my heart, and instructed me to begin to share uh, based on really what He's shown us over the last few months here. And uh, I know I said we're starting in Romans 3, hold your finger there, and you don't even really have to go there. I'll just quote it to you. Proverbs 8 and 8 says, All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. Think about that. All the, the words that God has ever spoken to man are in righteousness. Now you can begin to see how important the subject is because everything God has said is truth, but they're located in righteousness. That means they're pertaining to Christ and the avenue by which we experience His righteousness. God's words are words of righteousness. And we are ministers of righteousness. And therefore, we must learn how to hold God's Word and we must learn how to minister God's Word in its, in its aspect of truth and righteousness. Jesus said that the, when, when He was going to come again, it'd be just as in the days of Noah. And what was happening in the days of Noah was really 
two main things. There was a preacher of righteousness. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And the people were just all about whatever they wanted to do, everything but God's righteousness. We are in that right now more than ever before. I understand the last day started with Christ dying for us. And, and, and that's, that's, we're in the last days and things that the New Testament speaks of, the horrible things such as perilous times and many waxing cold from love and being seduced by doctrines of devils and fall, falling away from uh, departing from the faith. It's going on now greater than ever before. All the time they're shouting hallelujah, they're departing from the faith. It's, there's a great form of godliness, but they're denying the power. And I'm talking about 90% or greater of what's called the church. And so you need to pay attention. You need to get your, your folks to, to listen to this broadcast. You're going to see what God has to say about righteousness. And it's very important because if God's speaking, the only way, the Bible says faith comes in, and by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But if it's not in its righteous context, that means faith won't come, but flesh comes. And I know some preachers would say, well, you don't really have to know all of what you're saying. You just have to believe God's Word. If your faith is not in the cross of Christ, which is the only avenue of God's righteousness, then your faith is really not in God's Word properly. Your faith can be in the letter of the law and the letter of the law will slice your life in half. But your faith has to be in the spirit of the letter. That means through faith in Christ and Him crucified, then the Holy Spirit can teach you God's words of truth that are found in righteousness. In that way, faith can come. And when faith comes, faith overcomes. If it's not faith that comes, it's flesh. And flesh corrupts. The Bible says and, uh, that if we're so into the flesh, and we can do that using God's Word. We can sow to the flesh using God's Word. But we can also sow to the Spirit using God's Word. And that means by looking at what Christ did, believing in that and that alone, because that is the only avenue of righteousness. There is no other avenue of righteousness. Jesus, as we'll see over the next few weeks, is our Lord of righteousness. But He is that initially and daily to us only through our faith daily in His sacrifice. Not a one-time get you in. Yes, when you uh, uh, confess Christ as Lord and you accept Him as your Lord and Savior, you're, you're declared righteous before God. That's behind you if you're a Christian. But what's not behind you is today. It's not behind you. Today, God is looking, demanding, expecting you and I to bear forth the fruits of His righteousness. Let me say it again. He's expecting, demanding. Because if we're, and we'll see in this teaching somewhere down the line, that if we're not bearing forth first the fruits of righteousness, we can't be unto holiness. Holiness is a product of the experience of righteousness. Holy, and we'll see that in this teaching. But it's very important. This is not just some other little teaching. This is, this is going to be something very special to me and to those who have ears to hear. In Romans chapter 3 is where we'll begin today. And I want to start there uh, in verse 23, a very popular scripture uh, that says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now that's what we came short of, the glory of God. We once walked 
in the glory of God because the glory of God is just really uh, the revealing of God, the God's uh, dominion, God's power, all that God is, and we were that at one time on this earth. We carried His dominion, and it was His dominion that gave us our dominion over the planet, over the earth. But when we gave, when we stepped out from underneath His dominion and stepped underneath another voice, which is how dominions take place, is through voices. And when we obeyed, when Adam and Eve, we obeyed the voice of the enemy, we gave up our dominion that God had over us and we gave our dominion to another and His dominion took over. And so... We fell short. We came short of the glory of God. I believe it's a scripture in Psalms that talks about we were clothed with the glory of God. That's what clothed us before the fall. You know, people talk about, well, no, we were naked. No, we didn't, we didn't need clothes. We were clothed with the glory of God. We, we didn't even realize at that time such a thing was nakedness. We were clothed, Adam and Eve were clothed with the glory of God. And, uh, but that's where we fell from and we came short of the glory of God. But the Bible says in verse 24, Romans chapter 3, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, we've always got to say something about that. Justified always comes with the words freely and grace. Because when God justifies, it's what He offers freely, and that's called grace. You can't separate them. If God's grace is partaken of, then... It's because you come to the conclusion you couldn't do anything to pay for it or earn it, so you accept it as, as a free gift, and when you did, you were redeemed. But if you thought you had to earn it, do something good, pay for it, put enough money in the offering plate, uh, do a work, water baptism, anything to get it, you eliminated it freely. You eliminated it being free to you and you thought you could do something to get it and that, that it eliminated you from God's grace. See, it's either what God does or it's what you do. It's not both. Amen. It's God working in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And I know people say, well, you've got to work out your own salvation. Well, the only thing you can work out is by faith in what God's working in you. Amen. I know the charismatic witchcraft group of folks, which is huge in the church, thinks they can just work anything out and call it God, and it ain't. If it ain't what Christ offered through the cross, by faith in the cross alone, then it, God ain't in it. He says in verse uh, 25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare... His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Now notice here in verse 25, the Bible says that God through faith in the blood of Jesus declared His righteousness. The cross is the declaration of God's righteousness. The blood shed of Christ is the only avenue by which you can be declared righteous by God. When you place your faith in Christ and what God declared as the avenue of righteousness, your faith in that righteous work of Christ made you righteous in Him. Because Romans 6 and 3 says, we were immersed into Him at the cross in His death. And 
the reason we had to be immersed in his death is because his death was that righteous work that, listen, that was unto justification of life. We'll see that in the scriptures. You first had to become righteous before God could justify you to get into heaven. You got to be righteous to get in heaven. You got to be righteous to get in the kingdom. So let's look at that process again. When God offered His Son Jesus Christ, the Bible says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5 and 19, to know that God was in Christ reconciling sinners to Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. When God was in Christ doing what He did at Calvary, dying for the sins of the people, humanity, all of humanity as the Lamb of God. That was the work of righteousness. That was it. That's why when Jesus said it's finished, the work of righteousness was finished. That See, we didn't have any. We couldn't get in. Nobody could be in the kingdom. Even the people of the Old Testament had to be put away in paradise on, on hold because it was temporary. Because righteousness, they were waiting for the manifestation of righteousness. Yes, God declared them righteous in the Old Covenant. He declared Abram righteous, and we'll see that here pretty soon in this teaching. He declared him righteous just because he believed in him. But the in him was dealing with his seed coming, the gospel. And we'll see that too. It's all about the cross. But we see in verse 25 that God, and I want us to see this today uh, initially, that God declares his righteousness only through the work of Christ at Calvary. And if you see verse, look at verse 26, he says it again, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. Justification is tied to, can never be separated from, righteousness. And, and, but, but first, it took the righteous work of Christ to justify the ungodly. And Romans 4 tells that's exactly what Abraham's faith is in, the God who justifies the ungodly. That's where we see God approving him by, by his faith in God being the justifier of the ungodly and he only does that through the sacrifice. Abraham knew that. He was a man of sacrifice. Even to the great revelation that God gave him of giving his son Isaac on the altar and at the last minute God saying, no, I will provide and it was, it was like the, this magnificent revelation. That's why Jesus could say concerning Abraham, he saw my day and rejoiced when he got that revelation. When Abraham was on the mountain and he got that revelation that it ain't about my son, it's about your son you're going to give. Mm, that's powerful. That it's about a righteousness that only you can offer. I don't have any. I can't work good enough, be good enough to be righteous Jesus and His work at the cross declared God's righteousness. That's why it's the only avenue. There is no avenue. We can't work for Even after we're saved, we can't work for it. There are many works, but they are the works of the Holy Spirit who is God, who only works in us based on our faith in the truth. And the truth is Jesus and what He did at Calvary. So look at verse 26 again. He says, 
And he's saying it twice now. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. But let me say one thing again that I've already said that really is good news and there's scripture to it and we'll get to it in this teaching down uh, through. Well, let's look at it right now. How about going over two chapters, Romans 5 and I think it's verse 18. Romans 5 and 18, uh, yeah. Therefore, as by the offense of one, talking about Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. That's why we're all born, born. That's why we're all born condemned. I'm still trying to learn how to talk. I'll get there one day when I see Jesus. So that's why we're all born condemned is because we're born in the Adam's family. That monstrous family. That lost, sinful family. You know what I'm talking about. Even so, by the righteousness of one, talking about Jesus, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Righteousness is first. That's why we just read in Romans 3 that He was just and the justifier. What He did at the cross was just before God. He didn't need to be just. He was already just. He was doing all that for the unjust, the ungodly. But what He did was just before God in that he was obeying that commandment in which he was sent to do to lay down his life and to take it up again for us, the lost human race, God's creation. And that work he did was a righteous work. And through our faith in... that's that. Listen, that's why Romans 10.10, 10, this is why Romans 10.10 10 says that it's with the heart man believes unto righteousness. That means the cross. Unto, that, what it really means is God's word concerning the cross because about Jesus and what he did at Calvary. The word, our, our faith... With the heart we believe under righteousness, that righteous work Jesus performed for us at Calvary. And when our faith is in Him, His death, that righteous work, dying humbly and obediently to the command He was given, and we're immersed into Him, that's why God declares us as righteous. He declares us as righteous. Because what Christ did, and we see it here in Romans 5.18, that righteous, the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. His righteous work gave us the opportunity to be just before God, justified. And you've heard it said uh, probably many times that now our position in Christ is just as if we have never sinned. We are righteous. And let me tell you this morning what righteous is. It's not just that which is right. It's that which is right and perfect. A little quiet up in here this morning. You ought to be shouting right now. That which is righteous is not just what's right. It's that which is right and perfect. And Jesus did the perfect work as the perfect one and offers that perfect work to us. And through our faith in that perfect work by the perfect one, we get justification and we get the righteousness of Christ. 
That's good news. Praise God. I'm going to make myself happy up in here this morning. Now, let's get into this. That was just a little intro that we probably need to have every week. Uh, But uh, I've got a date here. Today is the 15th of March, 2019. So here in about 2027 when we finish this series. uh, No, Lord's coming tonight though. He's, He's coming this evening. Why say tonight? He's coming here in a minute. But uh, this is session one, and let me read some of the things I've got here. The only righteousness we as as the fallen race can have and experience is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, as He alone is our righteousness before God. We don't have any without Him. When Jesus said, you can do nothing without me, that has great, greater meaning than what you look at on the out. It means you can't be nothing without Him. You can't do nothing without Him. You can't have nothing without Him. You ain't nothing in Texas, we can say it, without Jesus. Amen. His righteousness became our righteousness. And His everything is our everything. And we will see that in the below scriptures I have coming up pretty soon. We are one with Him. What is His is ours. We are joint heirs with Him. Man, if you think about that every day, you'll be happy every day. If you start learning what belongs to Him, which are all things, and you you start getting a little revelation of that, a little illumination of that from the Word of God, you're going to get happy. You ain't going to have time to worry about all the things you've been worried about when the Lord shows you who you really are in Christ, what you really have in Christ, all because of your righteous status with Him. He's justified you because He made you righteous. When the Bible says in Ephesians 1 and 4 that He chose us in Him from the foundation of the world, what gave Him... What allowed Him to choose you? Because He didn't just say, Kathy, you're going to hell. Keith, you're going to heaven. I've determined that before you ever have a chance. No, that's not the God of the Bible. So because He is the God who gives men choice, the God of love lets you choose if you will love. And that's just Bible. So uh, when He chose us in Him, What does that actually mean that he saw? This is what it means. He saw that we would believe in Christ. We would accept Christ as the payment for our sins. And from our hearts, we would trust in Him in that work. We would believe in Him. Not just something we'd say and then keep going our merry way, but something that we would believe with the heart and we would become brand new creations because that's what happens when He makes you righteous. That's what happens when He makes you righteous, when He justifies you. You become totally brand new. There's nothing He uses of the old to get you where you need to be. And I've heard people say that all through the years, that I'm just a product of all my... No, you're not. If you're a brand new creation in Christ, none of that helped God get you anything. When you became a new creation, He says, listen to what God says, Behold, all things have become new. He didn't bring a, a little bit of the old you in to try to Play-Doh you. To, God didn't use any of that. What, what He did, He crucified and got completely rid of the old you because none of that person can do good, can go to heaven, can please God, can do anything right. None of that old person. So God crucified, hear me this morning, and What God did in making a new creation 
in Christ for you as who you now are is all new. You're not made up of bits and pieces of your, your past life. Yeah, you might walk with a limp because you stepped on a nail and didn't get to a doctor in time when you were five years old today, but that ain't got nothing to do with you spiritually. Amen. Now, I don't know where that came from. Just old country boy, I guess. <laughs> huh? Yep, his righteousness crucified the old man. So, we're brand new. The only people God justifies, and here's where it's in my notes. I didn't want to skip it since I've already mentioned it. I'll read it. The only people God justifies are those who are righteous. Who are the righteous? And the only people who are righteous are those who He sees in Christ. There are righteous people in the earth today. I'm not talking about perfect. I'm talking about righteous. We, we are declared by God to be righteous. But what happened, preacher? You already told me that righteousness is perfect. Yes, your position in Christ is perfect. But you and I, right now the Bible says, are being conformed into that image of righteousness, into the image of Christ, who is our perfect Lord of righteousness. That's our position. This is what most of the church doesn't understand, the difference between position and condition. Who you are in Christ at the right hand of the Father, and the Bible says we are there now. And if you understand living according to the plan of God, you understand that you were in Adam when he sinned, and now, because of your faith in Christ 2,000 years ago, God saw you there on the cross, not only Christ dying for you, but you dying with Him. But God sees the whole plan. He also sees you right now sitting right there by Him in His Son, Jesus Christ. Right there. You're already there. And He's called us to be conformed into the image of the One who gave His life for us, that perfect, righteous Lord of righteousness. But you, on many days of your life, as well, even more days of my life, I see that I need a little bit more. I need to be more like Him. I need more of that righteousness manifest. And the Bible declares that we should be bearing not just fruits of righteousness, but more, an increase of the fruits of righteousness. Saved 40 years and still going through the motions like you were 40 years? No. Listen, and I understand that people are out there, been in church 40 years, see somebody get saved, they're on fire for God. And I mentioned this Wednesday night in the message. And the old timer that's been saved 40 years tells everybody, well, he'll settle down after a while. Listen, the old timer ought to be 40 years more excited than the guy who just got born again. He ought to be burning up. But that's, that's what the devil's done. He's moved in and he's milked down and, and, and made the gospel to where it's not the focus. If the gospel remains the focus, I'm not saying that you say it is. I'm saying when it is the focus and you continue with the heart to believe under righteousness, then you're going to be a blaze of fire when you're 90 years old if you're still here. It's because the heart stops believing under righteousness. It's because we've been taught, or, or if we hadn't been taught, we just assume an assumption will kill you that Romans 10 and 10 was just for initial salvation. It's not. 
You've got to every day of your life believe with the heart unto, unto righteousness. If you're believing God's Word, you've got to be believing God's Word with the heart by faith unto righteousness. That means in its righteous context. You understand that? In its righteous context. What's that mean? That means through faith in the cross. Everybody who's all tied up in the purpose driven, the, the government of 12, the you name it, the walk around the house three times for deliverance, the, the jump up and down and eat an apple instead of smoking a cigarette, anything other than faith in the cross, you can't bear the fruit of righteousness. Because it takes grace which is God at work for righteousness to come into your life. And God only works in the truth. Psalms 33, 4. Yeah, you thought we were past it. We'll never leave it behind. For the word of the Lord is right in all His works. All His works are done in truth. So for the preacher that says, well, God's working anyway no matter what you're dabbling in, the only thing God's doing when your faith is not in the cross is sending folk to you, knock on your door at work, on social media, get back to the cross, get back to the preaching of the cross, get out of that church and get in one focused on the cross. I know it's not got all the bells and whistles like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but it does have the message that is the power of God. Hallelujah. The only people God justifies are those who are righteous and the only people who are righteous are those who He sees in Christ. And we read Romans 5.18, the righteousness of Christ justified us the justification unto eternal life. Righteousness, the work of Christ was the righteous work. That's why anything outside of faith in Christ and His righteous work is just our works, and God says that our works, our righteousness, and your works are what you think is right. That's what everybody says. Well, I'm doing how I feel. I'm, you know, let, me, let me tell you how I feel about that. And what they should stop saying feel and say believe because that's what they mean. Well, this is how we feel about that. No, that's what you believe about that. And so our works are what we think are right. And all our works, all our righteousness, God says, are filthy as filthy rags. And that in the Scripture, God is speaking of the menstrual rag of a woman at her time of the month. Filthy, filthy rags. That's what God compares your righteousness, your works outside of Christ to. That's what he compares it to. We can't do any good work. It has to be Christ doing the work in us by His Spirit. The work that happened at Calvary, everything God's going to do, which is God at work, which is God's grace, has to come through that avenue. Faith has to always be there or God can't come and work. Amen. Let's look at Galatians, and I'm not even getting to where I wanted to be, but let's look. That's okay, though. Let's look at Galatians chapter 2. This is key for this initial, uh, this initial series on righteousness. Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. You always need to know this. Have this in your heart. Have this highlighted. Paul says, and, and what we're going to see here is the avenue that righteousness comes. And this is it. It don't come any other way. This is it. I do not frustrate, that means set aside or deny. 
the grace of God. Now, now we got to stop right there because of the people who've never heard me, the people who hadn't got it quite yet. God's grace is God's goodness to undeserving man. It's God's, uh, what do they say, uh, unmerited favor. And all those things are right, but you can go through your whole life saying that and really not understanding what God's grace is. I'm here to tell you today, God's grace is God doing something. Him saving, Him teaching, him healing, Him, him uh, ministering through you, in you, for you. It's God doing God's grace is God doing something. God at work. Never forget that. Don't just go with some fly-by-night phrase that does uh, speak a fact about God's grace. His grace is him doing something you don't deserve to be done. But the way I think the church has taken it over the past few years just because of these phrases and not understanding what I'm telling you this morning and the truth of God's Word, we've just believed that God's grace is just, it just covers everything. It just, it covers my foul mouth. It, it covers me and my life living in sin. And, and, and Paul's clear on that. The Holy Spirit told Paul to tell the church, you, you, listen, how can we that are dead continue in sin? God forbids. Grace abounded to get you out of sin. Grace abounding is what God did in Christ at Calvary. That work abounding there to get you out from under the bondage of sin. Amen. So don't forget that. I, you know, we're, we're in another reformation. I always have to say that. God wants me to say that. We're in a second reformation 500 years after the first one by Martin Luther. I don't care who don't like Brother Swaggart. I don't care who don't like whoever. We're, they didn't like Martin Luther back then. God's used Brother Swaggart to bring the, the truth of God's Word concerning we're not just justified by faith alone. We're sanctified by faith alone. Most will miss it like they did during the era of Martin Luther. But there, listen, but many will be made free today. Many will be able to come back to their first love, their, their first works. Many will be able to begin to be literally be taught by the Holy Spirit and not just hand-me-downs from daddy and granddaddy what they thought. The Holy Spirit can teach us while we're at the cross. Praise God. That's good stuff. Oh, so 21, I do not frustrate, I, I refuse to set aside or deny God at work. God's grace is God at work. I refuse to push God out, I refuse to deny God because if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Now what's mentioned here? Christ dying. But what's mentioned here is Christ's death is in vain if righteousness comes by what I do. But righteousness doesn't come by what I do. It comes by, through the avenue of Christ's death as we have shown in the Scriptures this morning. But what is it in this one verse that reveals brings the righteousness of God? The grace of God. God at work. God was in Christ reconciling sinners. God was in Christ doing the work. Hebrews 2.9 Jesus by the grace of God, by what God the Holy Ghost was doing in Him, tasted death. The Bible says it. Let's look at it. We're in a Bible study. Glory to God. Man, we're... Man, we may not be better than nobody, but we show our privilege. I tell you what. We show... 
Where did I say we were going? Hebrews where? Help me. What did I just get through talking about? Hebrews 2.9. There it is. Hebrews 2 and 9. Watch this. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the Son. That he by the grace would do in him. And the Bible says God did that in him in 2 Corinthians 5 and 19. That he by death for every man. So we're talking about the avenue of righteousness is God's grace, which is what? God bringing righteousness to men. God in the person of Christ Jesus on the cross doing that righteous work that enabled all who would believe in Him to become or have that status of righteousness. And hear me, you old timers out there, God bless your darling hearts, not just to be declared righteous, but to bear forth those fruits from that day for the rest of your life. And as long as you keep your faith there, not tell people every once in a while that that's where your faith is when they push you up against the wall. Not just live a life assuming, but when you live, continue to believe with the heart unto that righteousness. Hey, that righteousness because that's the only righteousness God is offering the righteousness of Christ and as long as our faith is in that righteous work hear me the same God who was at work in Christ through Christ that's called the grace of God we just put it together in Galatians 2.21 and Hebrews 2.9 that same God and that same work begins to flow. That's called grace. That same grace comes to us for initial salvation. God saves us. He immerses us into the death of Christ, the body of Christ. And the body comes out of the grave the third day. And because that's where our faith is, the body now lives unto God. But hear me this morning. We are the body. We function and we experience fruits of the head, Christ, and He He is righteous. His us to go. We speak what He tells us to speak. We touch. We we do what He tells us to do because we are His body. This is kindergarten. It's time, listen, and the reason a lot of the old timers don't have the fire of God like they had for two weeks or maybe two months when they were born again is because we have been, and I'll bring me into this, over the last hundred years, well, not even really a hundred, but over the last several years, we've been desensitized. I heard Brother Carl Brown talking about it on that Wednesday morning message of the cross, uh, talking about there used to be some serious brimstone and fire, what's called, but it, but but I'm telling you, people, men used to preach the word and preach the point to the cross. Now they didn't really know anything about sanctification, but they were man, they preached the message of the they preached you gotta be saved, there's a hell, you're guilty before God, you gotta be born again. And I'm telling you, you'd scratch the varnish off the pew in front of you. 
You know, the fear of God would strike your heart. And we've been desensitized. Not, not just it didn't happen overnight. Men begin to uh, infiltrate the church and, and just barely just one step a Sunday, just one step, just and before you know it, we think we're still right and we're way away from what God's doing. We're way away from the avenue which brings grace. Because hear me this morning, write it down, never forget it. If God is working, there's the fruit of God at work. And it's more than being in a church house on Sunday. It's the way you treat your husband, mister. It's the way you treat your husband, ma'am. Did I say that right? Not the first time. It's the way you treat your wife, mister. And the way you treat your husband, ma'am. It's the way you train your children up in the admonition of the Lord. Not telling them out there, don't let nobody run over you. They uh, Just beat them down. Falseness stuff. Unrighteousness stuff. So I think we've, we've covered a little bit this morning uh, for a good intro, and we never need to forget that. Galatians 2.21 and Hebrews 2 and 9 ties together. See, God's not able to show anybody the truth until He can get them looking unto Jesus. He is the truth. He can't show us the truth until we... Look unto Jesus, as we read in Hebrews two and nine, and there's another scripture. What is it? Uh, Hebrews two and or twelve and two. Uh, both of those talk about. One of them says, "But we see Jesus," the one we just read, and the other one says, "Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith." But know something real important about both of those scriptures. They reveal the avenue through which we look at the Lord today. Not at some bloody corpse hanging on a cross, but in that what He provided for us there, what He did at the cross. What, what God was really doing at the cross. And if you're going to look unto Jesus, if you're going to see Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to show you what He afforded you there. You're not going to go turn your favorite song on, light a candle, close your eyes, and try to picture a brown-skinned, dark-eyed Jew. That, that's witchcraft. That ain't going to help you. That's going to hurt you. What you got to do is look unto Jesus, see Jesus in the avenue in which He's seen through the provision God offers you through His righteous work at Calvary. You need to know that. So, Charles H. Spurgeon said the following, True justification by faith is the surface soil. But then imputed righteousness is the granite rock which lies underneath it. And if you dig down through the great truth of a sinner's being justified by faith in Christ, you must, as I believe, inevitably come to the doctrine of the imputed righteousnesses righteousness of Christ as the basis and foundation on which that simple doctrine rests. You can't separate God justifying the sinner because of the righteous work of Christ. They're tied together. You can't, and what, what, how can I say that more simpler? You can't justify yourself before God. That's what the great white throne will be about. God, didn't I do this? Didn't, I, didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we do many wonderful works? Didn't we, didn't we, didn't we, didn't we? And God's going to say, I don't know who you are, but I'll tell you who you are. You're a worker of iniquity, just so you know. And then he'll cast them into the lake of fire. The, the judgment seat of Christ, we will all be there because our faith has not been in what we've done, but what he did at the cross for us. 
See, those are two different places in two different times and I won't be at the one where they're about to be cast into what's called the second death, the lake of fire, the eternal death. So uh, let's look at a couple more scriptures this morning. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 23. Uh, I want to show you a couple things while we've still got about 15, 16 minutes. 17 maybe. Who will give me 18? Hey, 19. Hey. <laughs> we've got some folks in the studio this morning as we do on most Fridays. And, and I want to encourage you, if you're anywhere near Queen City or Atlanta and you're off on Friday morning, don't worry about going to another church on Sunday. We're not going to tie a rope around you and tie you to a pew here at Crossway Church. We're not trying to get you in our local church. We're just trying to get you in the Word in its proper context. So come bring your coffee, your pencil and paper. Let's study God's Word together. Jeremiah 23 verse 4, the Lord says through this prophet, And I will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Now I understand this is talking about when the fulfillment of Israel comes, but how many of you know until that happens, we're experiencing the promises of God now. He's setting up shepherds over His people now, called the church, called pastors. But notice, when God sets a shepherd up, an under-shepherd, under Christ, over His people, here's what will happen. They will fear no more. They won't be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. What's the only message that removes fear, dismay, and lack? Is the message of the cross. Because the message of the cross, 1 John 4, 9 and 10, is the manifestation of God's love. And it's God's perfect love, His perfect love that casts out all fear, that removes dismay, confusion, and chaos. Amen. And it causes us to walk in a place where we say, the Lord is my shepherd, there is no lack. Amen. Behold, the days come, verse 5, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, prophetically here, of Jesus. And a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Verse 6, In his days... Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he, everybody say he, he. shall be called the Lord our righteousness. When God restores Israel to this place of safety, verse 6, where they won't have to worry about being surrounded and attacked and defeated and, 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 and tormented by the enemy, the, the, this name wherewith... Judah is going to be called, it's the name of God's people are going to be called the Lord our righteousness. But he's talking about here the king, the name of the king, the name of this, this branch that he's going to raise up is going to be called, he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. We're already experiencing that as the church. 
before God comes and He's going to restore Israel to their right place, all the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're going to happen. You can write it down and just get ready to watch it. As a Christian, we will get to see it happen. Glory to God. That's going to be good to watch that fulfill itself right out God. But it's going to happen as God does it, by God's grace. God doing it. How? As they believe upon Christ. Because that's all God works in. He only works in the truth. And Christ is that truth to us if our faith is in the cross. Now go over 10 chapters to Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah 33 in verse 16. Now what we're talking about here in this very moment is that uh, God is going to restore Judah and he's going to be the king, the branch. He's going to be the one who reigns and prospers and executes judgment and justice in the earth from that place. And he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Now watch this in Jeremiah 33 and 16. In those days shall Judah be saved and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherewith she, everybody say she, not he, but she shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Now that'll throw you a loop on it. First we saw where Jesus, the king, the branch, the one who's going to reign in, in righteousness, going to judge, he's going to do what? He's going to reign and prosper and execute judgment and justice. We read in verse 5 of Jeremiah 23. But here he's relating Jerusalem itself, Judah and Jerusalem itself, and this is the name wherewith she shall be called the Lord our righteousness. And this is, this is how we can say this better. The, the restored city of God will take upon the same characteristics of her Lord who will dwell in her. The restored city of God. You're the restored people of God. You were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And the restored city of God will take upon the same characteristics of her Lord who will dwell in her. We are one with our precious Lord and He is righteous. We are righteous. Don't think you're going to be. You're righteous now, declared because of your faith in the blood. Amen. And one more, Ezekiel chapter 48. Verse 35, Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 35. And the reason I'm sharing these scriptures with you right now at this point in this series is because I'm trying to get us to see, and I hope the Lord can show us clearly today, that we're one with the Lord. What's His is ours because He did a righteous work for us. Our faith in that righteous work declares us to be righteous in Him, meaning in Him, in His death and what He did at Calvary. And therefore, in the eyes of God, we're as righteous as Jesus. Glory to God is Jesus. Well, I don't feel like it and I don't act like it sometimes. Well, you're back to your condition. We're talking about our position. When you meet Jesus in the clouds, your condition is all wrapped up and sealed up and done deal. It, it, it meets your position at that moment. You understand that? When you see Jesus in the clouds, all of that mortality is going to be put away and wrapped up in immortality. 
That imperfection's going to meet perfection. I'm telling you. And that's going to happen soon. In a theater near you, it's coming. Ezekiel 48.35, it was round about 18,000 measures. And the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is here. Chastity, what's the name of your city? I'll ask you in 1,500 years from now. What's the name of this city? The Lord is here. Can you imagine telling people that? What's the name of the city you're going to live in? The Lord is here. That's where I live. He may have you working over in Australia down under one of these days in, in, the, in the millennial reign. And somebody down there may say, where are you from? The Lord is here. That's what the Bible says. It was round about 18,000 measures and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is here. The Lord is here. That's good stuff. What's the name of your city? The Lord is here. Hey, that's good stuff. Now, we've got a few minutes. We've got about eight minutes and, and I... And, and I I, you know, I hope you will take these things and dwell on them and, and let the Lord minister even a, a, a more in-depth meaning to you. Uh, this, this teaching is going to really, it's going to bless us tremendously. It's going to open our eyes to, a, to, to, to the light in, a, in, in its brighter form. I mean, the light is the light. It's Jesus and what He accomplished at Calvary. But the Bible says in Proverbs 4.18 that the path of the just will shine more until that perfect day. The world's getting dark. The world's getting so dark, my friends, it's going to get so dark, it's going to break our hearts. After where we came from 50, 60 years ago to where we are now, Listen, if the Lord tarries another 10, 15, 20 years, you hadn't seen darkness that you're going to see. But I want you to know no matter how dark the world gets and no matter how much of that darkness the church allows to come into it, you don't have to walk in darkness. You can walk in light. And if you want to walk with the Lord, you've got to walk in light. It's the only place He's walking. We walk in the light as He is in the light, First John. So it doesn't matter how dark the world's getting. I know everybody's praying for America, and you should be, and you should be expecting God to be merciful because that's what you're asking Him to do, and to be gracious and to add to the kingdom and shut the mouths of the foolish and all those things what we should really be praying more earnestly now than ever before. But I'm telling you, this country will collapse. This country will collapse. It will not collapse from the outside. It will collapse from the inside. Listen, but you and I, even when Israel went into Babylon in captivity, there was a remnant within that captive people. That's where you read the stories about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was when that's where you read the stories about Esther. That you listen. It's when the it's when the church is in trouble that there is still a remnant, and it's those who have their faith in the sacrifice, not anything else, 
Not just some Bible-toting building they go in two or three times uh, a week. Listen, before this darkness is going to get so dark that most of the church in the days ahead is either going to pull out or they're going to start attacking each other from within, devouring, biting and devouring one another because they don't know this truth of the cross. But we are in another reformation right now. We're in it. It's not what I think. We're in it. And God is revealing that if you're going to make it, if you're going to endure to the end, you've got to get on board. Not with me. You've got to get back in the plan of God. You've got to get back on the path of righteousness through God's grace functioning in your life, which only happens when your faith is not in what you speak, not in what you do, in the work of Christ at Calvary. For that, again, is the only avenue of initial and daily God working in my life, grace. The first use of the word righteous in the Bible, uh, I'll tell you, and we'll start over here next week because we got about five minutes left, four minutes. In Genesis 15, 6, speaking of Abraham, I, uh, the Bible says, and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, I know there's, there's even a sign out here in our town, uh, the Church of Christ. Of course, we know their faith is in their works uh, as it is all over the world, that denomination. But... It's even on the sign that we're not justified by faith only. And they put James 2 and 20, whatever it is, over there that says, see how that not Abraham was not justified by faith only, but by works. And, and, and so if that, meant, if that means that we actually had to do a work to be saved, then it's really not grace. And that's what Paul declares. So what's the difference between Paul and James is Paul is trying to get you to see you can't be justified without faith. And really James is just discussing that there will be fruit of your faith if, you, if your faith is right. And anyway, the story that James writes about has everything to do with the gospel because he talks about Abraham giving Isaac. Well, what was Abraham's faith in? The sacrificial system. And God sees us as our works being legitimate if that's what our faith is in. He talks about Rahab. Well, she not well, she wasn't justified by faith alone, but her works, no. Listen, her faith produced an act of hanging a red scarlet thread out the window as they told her to do. Listen, all of that was symbolic of faith in the blood. And Jesus proves this. He, he confirms what I'm teaching right now to refute what they say. He said to the people who circled around him and said, what must we do to do the works of God? He said, just believe upon the one whom he sent. If your faith is in Christ and what he did at Calvary, that is what made you obedient in the eyes of God, Romans 6, 17. That is what declared you as righteous, not when you went and did a work and say, see, I told you so. This is what, this is what really gets me in, my work. No, no, you're misunderstanding what faith alone means. And when Abraham believed in the Lord, doesn't say he did anything, he believed and then he was accounted righteous. You need to know that. His belief in God, in Romans 4, I've already said it, declares it in that God justifies the ungodly. That means the sac through the sacrificial system. He counted it to him for righteousness. Mm. 
And, and we'll cover this next week. But that's the first time the word righteousness is used in the Bible. And the last time the word righteousness is used in the Bible is Revelation 19.11. And it says, John writes this, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness does he judge and make war. All of God's judgment will be held in the hands of Christ, through Christ, and that judgment is in righteousness. What's that mean? It's based on the Word of God according to the righteousness of God. That's why Paul could say, men are going to be judged according to my gospel because the righteousness of God is only... ...gospel. And all God's judgment through Christ is going to be in righteousness. And that's how he even wars. What's, what do you think is going to destroy all the people at the end of the age when after even a thousand years the devil's released from the bottomless pit and, and draws as many people as there are sea, grains on the seashore to attack and, and put Jesus out forever? He's going to war against them in righteousness. What's that mean? That don't mean he's going to go down and whoop everybody with his hands and he is going to declare the word of God to them. And just like in the garden when they came for him and asked where is Jesus and he stood and said I am they all collapsed I'm telling you he is the Lord of righteousness and when he declares that you are defeated you're defeated a nuclear bomb ain't got nothing on the word of God you hear me a nuclear bomb all the nuclear bombs on the planet together can't compare to the word of God because every word God has ever spoken is in righteousness. Hallelujah. Well, y'all made me run out of time. First session on our teaching of righteousness. And uh, I hope you join us every week. Uh, tune in right here, 9 a.m. Central Time, every Friday morning, and get others to tune in. Don't just hit the like button. Please share this so all your relatives, all your friends, all your co-workers can see this. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Help us to publish God's Word in righteousness. We love you. Until next time, stay determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you.